To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers Podcast, episode 125. So happy to be back with my brothers doing what we do best, and that's discuss sports. Of course, we got a lot to get to, so I'm not going to get in the way. Thanks, y'all, man. How y'all feeling? As always, we doing good. We rocking. We ready to roll. Uh, A lot to talk about. Let's do it. Same here, man. I'm not going to hold it up. I'm doing well. It's been a little bit since we recorded. I'm ready to get it back rolling, so let's go in and jump into it. Yeah, let's jump into it, man. Shout out to our LSU Tigers, man. Man, big win. Bama, we didn't cover it. Then they got another good win this past week uh, against Arkansas. Man, uh, we started off kind of rocky with a loss to Florida State. It's been a rocky season, but here we are, man. We 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 are actually in, in the hunt to potentially make the playoffs. There's a chance we could make the playoffs. Uh, we definitely will get a good bowl game if we're able to win out. Uh, but it all depends on what happens on December 3rd in the SEC championship against Georgia, man. What are y'all thoughts about the LSU Tigers, man? We we, we in there, man. We we competing. Yeah, I was just one. I was t- when I think about LSU, period, it's just um, Brian Kelly coming in from Notre Dame. You know, it was always talked about culture fit, talking about the fake accent. It was talked. It was talked about like how the scholarships, you know, and the lack of how the program was ran before um, Brian Kelly was there. And so this year really felt like a rebuild year, you know. Like we thought we was gonna compete here and there, you know, but nobody thought that we we're gonna be here at this point. And so I'll all I'll keep it simple. I know, you know, really the college thing is for my guy Ramon, but like I'll keep it simple. I just want to take a uh, my hats off to Brian Kelly for getting this program turned around quickly. And then I feel like it's only going to go up from here with, you know, recruits and things of that nature. Um, just really, 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 really turned around quickly. And, um, you know, hats off. Yeah. Now, like you said, man, hats off to Brian Kelly, who walked into a situation where in our bowl game that we played earlier this year, there were 39 scholarship athletes, 39 scholarship players. Uh, he inherited that team and had to, of course, build through the transfer portal locked up even a solid recruiting class once he first came on board. And as Los was saying, like everybody has looked at this as a rebuilding year in which it actually is a rebuilding year. And going into the Bama game, I know when we were talking, you know, we talked about the fact that, you know, of not having as high expectations because we're in the midst of a rebuild, but being ahead of schedule in the rebuild and to just see, you know, what the program has done to win the SEC West, Uh, That's not a simple feat. You know, Texas A&M has never won the SEC West. You look at that program over there. I want to say 
uh, maybe even a program like Ole Miss. I don't know if they – I don't think they've ever gotten to the SEC championship. Not to my knowledge. And so you look at Brian Kelly coming in year one and getting to the SEC championship, turning the program around, and not to belabor it too much and go too much, but, man, hats all to Harold Perkins. Like, that's a name that we got to mention. Yeah, that's a name, yeah. This guy, Harold Perkins, is arguably – First of all, he's the best freshman I've ever seen. Like, honestly, the best freshman I've seen. And that's with us. We saw Derek Stingley, who's first team All-American, six interceptions his freshman year. We saw Tyron Matthew come and make a statement his freshman year that led to everything he did as a sophomore. We saw Patrick Peterson as a freshman get time rolling. Uh, but, man, the impact that Harold Perkins has on this team is honestly ridiculous. Like, as a guy with four sacks, Eight tackles, four sacks, two forced fumbles this past game. Uh, on top of that, really could have been five sacks and three forced fumbles if he had gotten there just a half a second sooner on another play. And uh, he's really been something that has really turned the dial even for this defense. So, man, I'm really excited to see the direction that the program is going in as um, all of us having the connections to LSU, man. And so hats off to where they are at this point. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, when we lost 40 to 13 to Tennessee, who would have thought? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody wrote off this season. Uh, very bad loss. We didn't show much effort there. We never was in that game from the very beginning, from a start of a muff kick by Mason Taylor, who's since redeemed himself in the Bama Kata. The overtime touchdown and uh, well, it was actually Jack Besh. I got I can't put oh, that on Jack Besh. Okay, Jack my bad. Bish, yeah. Oh, that was Jack Besh. I don't know why I get him confused. Well, yeah, so he hasn't redeemed himself yet. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna repeat myself, which I said I agree with everything you said. Uh, shouts out to Brian Kelly, who's doing this. That hasn't even gotten his recruits in. And, you know, that's something to say. I mean, in, in the class 23 and class 24, we we're very excited about. We got some real five stars coming in. Hal Perkins is scary being that he's just learning the position. He's just acting out pure instincts. Once he learned how to play the position, he got the potential to be the best linebacker to ever come through LSU. And that's saying a lot. Uh, so not not to harp on that. Um, we got UAB coming up and we got AM uh coming up, which should be both losses. Um, I mean, <laughs> Should be both wins. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, run that back. Out. Run that back. <laughs> we should have went out. And like I said, uh, LSU has pumped, punched their ticket uh, to the SEC championship. So we're excited about that. Uh, Y'all heading to Atlanta or what? Uh, I will likely uh, be watching it. <laughs> yeah, I'll be watching it from a couch. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes I don't know what it is. I mean, we love sports like the next man, but I think it's nothing better than watching a big game at, at home. But I did, in Bama, I did go to D.C. and went to a, a Bama bar, you know, decked out in LSU gear. We won the game, and I'm just standing outside of the bar just smiling and stuff like that, talking to my uh, my homeboy, whatever, and, and my girl or whatever. And they walking up to me, Alabama fans, shaking my hand like I played the game. Look, good game, man. You know, y'all really did come out and play. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you know, that that was really risky. I didn't right. feel good about it, but it felt good afterwards. But we got a lot to get into, guys. We're going to shift uh, topics here, man. We're going to shift to NBA, a sport that we all love. And we'll start off none other than a person that for the past, the past three years have always had controversy and drama surrounding himself. And that's Kyrie Irving. Uh, most recently, if you haven't been keeping up with it, He's been I'm not going to go through the timeline because at this point you should know, uh, of course, he's under scrutiny for anti-Semitic um, 
I guess I wouldn't. Yeah, remarks. And he posted a, a, a very controversial video to his Instagram with no context that had anti-Semitic material. Uh, since then, he was reluctant to apologize. And more so recently, we would say probably like a week and a half ago, he was suspended. Uh, it had been reported that he'd be suspended for five games. But the fifth game was this past Sunday against our Lakers. And he's still not playing. There's still no word on when he will be playing. Uh, he has been given a list of demands of things that he had to do, uh, which is apologize and condemn the film that he promoted, uh, make a $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, uh, complete sensitivity training, complete anti-Semitism training, uh, meet with ADL and Jewish leadership, and also meet with the team owner to demonstrate his understanding of the situation. Uh, recently, it's been reported that Joe Sy said to a reporter, a reporter asked him, what is Kanye? Basically, I'm sorry. Well, it's all related. It's all related. But right. Freudian um, slip right there. Right. But um, what what where is Kyrie as far as coming back? And, and the owner say he has a long way to go. So I'm interested to see you guys' opinion on this uh, about it. I mean, not, not from the aspect of anti-Semitism, goodness, anti-Semitism, but from the aspect of I mean, he has donated five hundred thousand dollars to the cause, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and he has apologized reluctantly. Uh, at this point, you know, is enough enough, or you know, how do you guys feel about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a little overkill with a lot of the stuff that's going on, like especially if he came out and he said, like, hey, you know. I don't, I didn't mean to hurt anybody and I apologize and donate to the cause. And then you create this whole list of just kind of, I think it was overkill. You know, I'll just keep it at that. Like, you know, you know, it's, again, I look at what was posted and what was happening, what, what it was. Um, I don't think he meant it that way. Um, Quite frankly, I don't know if he even watched the movie or whatever, you know, so it kind of felt like he got some clip, (laughs) felt like he got some cliff notes from it. You know, which again, that's that's you know, that's not very smart on his part. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think the list of stuff though was a little overkill though, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, I really agree. I have similar sentiments with it. I believe that you know they were really making an example out of Kyrie. Honestly, with this, uh, I do feel that you know also a part of it is kind of based on who. Uh, people have seen Kyrie to be with going against the grain and all of that. Like, I feel that to me, if it probably were another player or a different athlete, you may not have seen, you know, all of these various things tacked onto it. Um, Like you said, he did come out and apologize. You know, he has uh, really retracted remarks in regards to it. And I feel like during this process, the light has just shown so much on Kyrie but not even totally the the resource and the method in which he was able to quote unquote see or promote the film, which was Amazon. Like nobody who has turned towards Amazon and said that, hey, they shouldn't have this on their platform or they shouldn't be the ones to promote this rhetoric. I feel like that Kyrie in this situation, although, you know, he, maybe he hasn't done the, the the right things leading up into it. I just feel like he's kind of been a sacrificial lamb within this. And I feel that, you know, there are other ways and other people uh, who should have to answer to this other than just Kyrie. So I feel that if he likely would have initially went ahead and addressed it head on like he did with his apology, maybe some of the other things would have been prevented. 
I believe when he officially initially got the question posed this way, then he he kind of danced around it and gave you kind of that really uh, thought provoking kind of, you know, cryptic Kyrie responses. And so I feel like that's what also escalated it. But I do feel like they've just been pretty much making an example out of him, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, after he apologized, I think that that should be the the end of it. Um, I mean, who's to say? I mean, Kyrie, I haven't agreed with him uh, for some time now. But at the end of the day, you know, if he apologized and he genuinely, which I really feel like, honestly, Kanye, I mean, uh, shoot, I did it again, which I really feel like Kyrie is not. He, I don't think his intentions was to hurt anybody. I don't. I just think like it's 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 typical Kyrie who always thinks that he's the smartest guy in the room and there's danger. And I always think you're the smartest guy in the room. And I think that he, he wasn't well versed on the material he was trying to get across and it backfired on him. And I think that he does owe it to people because of his platform. And he has to understand that he does have influence and he has to be careful about what he puts out. And I, if he needs some tricks, he, he maybe he needs to contact his running partner, LeBron, you know, who is rarely in these controversial situations and if he is he wants to be in it to make it for the greater good and you know standing up for african-americans and inequalities and stuff like that but i think that it's just one of the classic cases of Kyrie and, and strangely enough they kind of started with the earth is flat years ago when it first it started off as a joke with him and you know then you know he saw the attention that he was getting and then it's like he just went straight just vogue and, lo- and loving the attention, but ultimately, I think on a from a basketball standpoint, because we are a sports podcast, I do think that he's at a point where basketball is not the front of his initial. Uh, it's no longer his passion, or no longer at the front of his life, and uh, I think his team is is hurting because of it. You know, Kevin Durant feels sorry for him. I mean, he he locked in four years, one of the first person to show that he's committed to Brooklyn, but yet you got Kyrie that is. Uh, just seemed like he's went vogue at this point. You don't know what to expect. He's he's very, very, very unpredictable. Maybe just as unpredictable as Antonio Brown. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the NBA is making an example out of him and we'll see what happens. Maybe Kyrie has played his last bit of basketball. I mean, if that was the case, it wouldn't shock me just because of the pride that that man has. And once he got something in his head, no one can make him change it. So we'll see. But Speaking of Kyrie, man, we got to discuss our Lakers. We didn't get a chance to do an NBA preseason uh, <laughs> preseason episode, but it's not looking too good for our Lakers here. We're, we're almost in last place, if not in last place right now. We've only won three games on the season. Um, what, what do we do here, y'all? I need you to put on your GM uh, hat and, and, and just take over the reins. If somebody said you the Lakers GM – tomorrow what what do we do what do we do here man first off I would love that position absolutely love that position (laughs) and right now I think the Lakers are doing as crazy as it sounds doing exactly what they need to do right now right because again in this situation you don't want to show panic to the rest of the league everybody's watching the Lakers everybody's still talking about the Lakers the Lakers are second to last or last in the NBA as far as record wise right had the best eyes to get the, the the young France kid right right now. Not us to get them, but obviously the Pelicans because we have a swap. And so right now, I think the Lakers are doing the right thing. They got Russ playing um, off the bench and he's playing well, right? He's leading. Uh, he's second in scoring off the bench and he's first in assists off the bench, right? So those are amazing numbers. 
you give this this team time to gel, right? You still got two major pieces in Schroeder and in uh, the center. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant. Yeah, Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant coming back. And so you give it time. You got Russ playing well. That's going to be obviously a big trade piece. You can string together some games. You can get some positive momentum going. And you can show these teams that, hey, we don't need to make this deal. Or, hey, we're not desperate for this deal. I think if we make a deal right now, we'll show, like, our desperation and people will pounce on that. They'll take advantage of our picks, and then we put ourselves in a further hole. So I would say keep doing what you're doing right now. Show patience, right? Show that, okay, Russ can play well off the bench, and maybe this other team may look at him like, hey, maybe Russ can do this for us, you know? Um, he's playing well off the bench. He's actually shooting good from three now, you know? Like, he's actually showing positive signs that he wasn't showing in the starting lineup. So I would say continue to be patient. Right now this is a um, marathon and um, get some positive momentum going. And then just don't show desperation because teams know. Teams know and they'll take advantage of, okay, add both of those picks if you want these players. Like, you know, and I don't really think none of those trades out there that they said really puts us over the top. I, I hate to say that. I don't think it really say, okay, we get these guys, we're better. Sure, we're better, but like, maybe a fringe playoff team still going to get waxed by these teams. Wait for your guy. And I think we're doing the right thing. And before you jump in, Ramon, I know you're going to go next. Just to add some context of the conversation right now, we are currently second to last in NBA uh, with three and three and 10 right now. Um, we're not looking good. Um, and, and that, that's kind of what it, where, where we at right now. Um, I'm, yeah, we're three and 10 second to last in the, in the league right now. We're down there with the Houston Rockets and we know how bad they are. So, uh, and we're down with the Thunder, so it's not, not looking it's not looking too good. But go ahead, Ramon. Yeah, no, I was really going to say and echo what Losa said, so I don't really have to harp on it too much. I think, like he said, you don't press the panic button just yet uh, because, you know, in deals, we've seen it time and time again that the Lakers play the Lakers tax on deals. Teams always, they'll take crumbs or chips from another team and then <laughs> expect for layman yon from the Lakers. And so, uh, like you said, I like that metaphor. <laughs> yeah. And so, so like Los was saying, if you push the panic button, you'll get fleeced in the deal for the lack of a better term, you will get fleeced in the deal right now. If you push the panic button, Los hit it the nail on the head, which to me was the biggest point was the fact that right now they are rebuilding Russell Westbrook's trade value. That is what they are doing right now. His trade value was in pretty much the negatives leading into this season and the way in which he's played, especially off the bench that is being rebuilt. And like Los was alluding to and saying to me, maybe you look around that trade deadline mark or something like that, or because people are also going to look at that expiring deal that Russ has. And then it, even if you can't do that and you push yourself, you know, I hate to punt on a season with LeBron, you know, based upon the way that the years have gone. But even if you punt on this season and position yourself for a big time offseason, but that's better than like Los was saying, taking just anything right now for the sake of it. And then even messing yourself up long term, because now you tied yourself into assets who really aren't going to move the needle for you. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, to add context to what you're saying about Westbrook playing well, ever since he's coming off the bench, he's first in assists, averaging 8.1 assists, uh, uh, anyone coming off the bench. And he's second in scoring off the bench with 18.3 points per game. Uh, I mean, he's doing phenomenal off the off the bench. And it seems like he's found refound his his spark, his his love for the game. 
And, you know, we'll, we'll see where it can go, where we can go from there. I do agree with both of you guys. I do think that a move needs to come. I don't think it should come too soon. Um, I, I, I do think that we we do have to think of our future and leveraging these first round picks. Like we're looking at we're three and 10 right now. You know, Victor, uh, I'll, I'll learn how to say that name another time. Yeah, you got that name yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got Victor, who's phenomenal, seven foot, foot four out of France that, you know, has the agility of a Kevin Durant, but still has that, that length, that of a Giannis. We never seen anything like him before. So just to think that if we continue on this track and not win more games that we lose out on our first round pick. Now, granted, I recognize we have to go through the lottery process, but just think that, you know, that's what we're giving up to the, to the Pelicans. If we were to lose, if we, we don't make a move and, and get a little better. So we're motivated to do well, not just because of that sake, uh, but um, if I'm not mistaken, do the Pelicans have a two-year contingency on the first-round pick? Like, they could decline taking our first-round pick this year and take it next year? Or am I making it up? No, um, it's uh, it's just a swap this year. This upcoming year is a swap with us. They're going to take the best one or whatever it is between us and the Pelicans. So we end up in the lottery and they make the playoffs. they obviously going to take our pick, and then we end up with a, a mid to 20th, something right okay. there around there to pick. Okay. So, yeah, we're transitioning. We're not a Lakers podcast. We got our teams out of the way, LSU and and, and the Lakers. But um, I kind of wanted to get into the scope of the NBA uh, about 13 games in. I mean, 10 game, 10 plus game sample. Uh, we're starting to see teams emerge. Uh, we're starting to see teams decline. Uh, so, I mean, I, I want to talk to you guys about who has impressed you so far in the NBA right now. Which team? It's easy. I'll say the Jazz. This is a team that was, we thought they were just punting this year and just waiting and just collecting picks and kind of building that team up, kind of like Danny Age did with the Celtics, right? But this year, they've been playing amazing basketball. They made some key trades, and Jordan Clarkson obviously stepped up. Lauren Markman came in. He's playing like an all-star right now, and that team is just obviously the most surprising, right? You thought you could look at that team on the schedule to start the year. You're like, okay, we can at least get a dub from them. You know, you look right. at that, and now <laughs> they beat, they've beaten us twice. <laughs> so this team is real. Hey, deal, you have to so. mention that, Lowe's, don't you? Mean? <laughs> hey, you got to keep it real. I mean, to go on that, I mean, this isn't a team that so much has surprised, but because of the turmoil in the offseason, I kind of wanted to see where they would land in the Boston Celtics. You see them as we speak and record right now. They're on top of the Eastern Conference. And, um, you know, oh, you everything. My, thunder. <laughs> my, my bad. Everything with the Ime Udoka situation, all the uncertainties there. We were wondering, okay, how will it look when they come into the season with kind of those distractions that are there without their head coach? And what they've done is to continue to push along. To me, Jason Tatum is playing the best basketball of his career at this point which should be expected. Uh, he's a top three MVP candidate in my book. I could see him getting it. You know, Giannis Absolutely. is up there. Uh, you got to mention names like Luka and stuff too. So, I mean, that team, hats off to them in the way that they've been playing. You know, it's not so much of a surprise, but I was intrigued by them coming in the season to see how they would respond, and they have responded. Dad missed the beat. You're right. And, you know, I'm not going to hark on it like you spoke earlier because that's that's my team. They're sitting 11 and three across the East. Of course, the Boston Celtics seem like they're on TV every other night on primetime. And uh, they're good basketball to watch. I mean, I know I'm a Lakers fan. I know we hate the Celtics, but um, I enjoy watching Jason Tatum. Like I said, I never admit that to his face, but he's 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 a pleasure to watch. His game is very smooth. 
He's um, a Kobe but, fan, so you can do that. You excuse because yeah, he's a Kobe fan. He's a Kobe <laughs> guy. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, but you look at him averaging 30 points this year so far. I'm, I'm interested to see if he'll continue that. I, I would say he will. I don't see why he would stop. But, I mean, they're playing phenomenal basketball. Uh, their interim coach, I don't know his name. Uh, he's doing a phenomenal job. You know, nothing's rougher than pulling together a team during a scandal. But I'm not going to repeat what you said. I, I agree. Um, they're a team to reckon with. And, you know, in a strong, already strong Eastern Conference, they're looking really, really good there. But uh, those are good points to point out to to it. Um, I was impressed by the Cavs initially. They would have been a strong second, but they're on a four-game losing streak right now after winning five straight. Uh, so who knows what's going on there? I really thought that they had something with Garland. Uh, he dropped 50 the other night. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. – <laughs> I mean, dude's special. Uh, I. It, it's it's funny because when they first drafted him, I thought Colin Sexton was the one, but it, it looks like they made the right choice there. They did. They did. No, I agree 100% with that. Darius Garland, he's the real deal. You put that uh, with your guy Donovan Mitchell and the way that he's played, and you still got the young talent and Evan Mobley and all of that. So they are a team, like you said, they were rolling and they dropped some recently. Uh, but another one that I want to throw out there, because I know early off we mentioned them and said that, hey, this isn't enough of a sample size. But to me, the way that the Portland has played, you know, oh, throughout yeah. this season. To and that's with be, Dame in and out of the lineup. Dame yeah. is not consistently in the lineup. Yeah, they've had um, issues with Nurkic, too. Um, and, and so to see that team playing in the way that they played, um, I'm trying to see, was that, uh, I think recently, Jeremy Grant with the with the uh, buzzer beater with the <laughs> yeah, game winner him, yeah, yeah. recently. Yeah. And so uh, that team has been playing good basketball. You know, we talked about the fact that at first, you know, one or two or about three games weren't enough of a sample size. But when you look at this, the fact that we're at this point in the season and they still are at, up at the top of the conference, you know, that says a lot. Anthony Simmons continue, continue to impress me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting on a, I'm waiting on him to go back to normal, but he, he's not going back to civilian. I think this is who he really is. He's averaging 22 points and four assists right now. Um, but you know, maybe the Blazers knew something we didn't when they traded away CJ McCollum. So we seeing how we seeing that that dynamic. And CJ McCollum is a perfect fit in New Orleans. I think it was a win-win situation. Don't get me wrong. I think CJ McCollum is a, is a phenomenal player. But I think in Anthony Simmons, they got younger and they got a guy that can roll that fits yeah. very well with Dame. Yeah, um, and, and, and he's been that guy. Like he just had that interesting stint of coming into the league and how that worked out with G League stuff and all that. It was just a weird entry into the league. But he yeah. was that guy in prep basketball, like in high school ranks and all that. And people have seen this for a while. Like, we've all seen this coming. And then just to see him do it in the league consistently has been uh, really a staple for this team. And, and they can keep rolling. Yeah, man. So we'll shift to the NFL here, man. We got, we, we're deep. We're over halfway through the season now. It's been some disappointments. Uh, we'll start off with the disappointments and then we'll get to our uh, uh, to our guess, uh, our prognostication, if that's a word, of who will win the Super Bowl. Uh, but here, we'll start off with the cup injury. Uh, just happened yesterday. Uh, very gruesome ankle, high ankle sprain on Cooper, Cooper Cup. But, I, I mean, personally, feeling, I, I mean, I don't know if, if, if that's the injury that makes them, you know, if that, I mean, of course the injury hurts them, but they were already hurting. But, I mean, this injury, what does it mean to the team, man? I feel like I will let uh, Los, the resident Rams expert, uh, even though uh, I don't think it was supposed <laughs> to be a Rams pie, but now this has been lobbed up to him with the Cooper Cup injury. And so, I mean, 
look, man, it's been a tough year. <laughs> it's been it's been hard, man. Like you come off a Super Bowl, you on your high horse. You think you're gonna at least get to the playoffs. Like it's been, we can all agree it's been a weird year. Like as yeah. far as the competition from in the NFC, weird. from the Bucks, from the Packers to the Seahawks competing to like it's just been weird. It's been a weird year. And then you know it, the injury is huge. It's absolutely huge. Cooper Cup is the engine of the Rams offense. The offensive line came out today and they came out and said we got two more injured guys on our offensive line that was filling in. Our depth is shot right now. Our run game is non-existence. We're 32nd out of 32 teams in the run game. You know, um, obviously Allen Robinson has not been the guy that we thought he was going to be. Um, our starting quarterback has a concussion and still in the concussion protocol. Like it, it. I've never seen a season like this where injuries has struck us I have. this hard. <laughs> this hard. As a, as a New Orleans Saints fan, I have. We we literally played with only three starting offensive linemen this past Sunday. Yeah, that'll be – I mean, uh, speaking of, we'll be playing each other this week. We'll be playing the who can be the most injured team <laughs> going against each other. It's actually going to be a good uh, game competing. between <laughs> <laughs> it might, yeah. we might. It might be an interesting game. So, um, I don't know. I think it, it, the injury is huge. I mean, I think it's going – it can be season-ending. I think right now is a high ankle sprain. He's getting surgery. Um, tomorrow um, we record this podcast on Tuesday so he's getting surgery on Wednesday I think um, depending on how the record goes over the next four or five weeks if our records and we're not competing for the playoffs at that point I don't see a reason why to bring him back you know why to bring him back and put him in harm's way uh, Cooper Cup oh yeah I agree so again that's my take on the Rams it's been tough and uh, this team is not going to the playoffs (laughs) it's not going to it's not it's not I feel like I feel like we can shift, man. I'm not gonna, you know, beat a dead horse, uh, continue to rub it in or anything like that. You know, uh, you know, a little moment of silence, I guess, for your Rams, right quick. Just a moment of silence. Hey, we we still sitting on a Super Bowl, baby. So you know, we good. We good. That's what they always want to pull out when they. When they <laughs> man, it, it's been a very disappointing season with, with my Saints. I mean, with the talent that we brought in, Tyron Matthew, Jarvis Landry, MT's supposed to come back. Jameis Winston was supposed to take another step forward. Uh, and he's been benched. But, you know, offensively, I, I'm, I'm just tired of watching us offensively coaching. I think the play calling is is very bad. And I think Andy Dalton doesn't give you the best shot to win a game. Andy Dalton can get, get you through. You know, he can get you a game or, or so. But, like, if Jameis is healthy, put for, for goodness sakes, put him out on the field. And yet we hadn't seen it. I mean, and uh, it's been a lot of questionable coaching decisions here. And, I'm a strong component of giving a coach a chance, but I think we really need to take a strong look at Dennis Allen and, and Pete Carmichael and decide whether we want to bring either one of those back. And, you know, I say that from a perspective that our defense has played good enough in every single game we played this week, this year, despite the injuries on defense, we they've played good enough if the offense would give them something to feed off of. And that's been a common trend in every game week to week if you watch us. So um, I, I think that we, ha- we have to make a decision here because it's, it's not working offensively. And I, I don't think it's just the coach. I don't think it's just the players. I think it's just coaching that that's just the play calling. You know, you have Alvin Kamara, the most talented player on your on your on your on the field offensively, and you don't put him in positions to succeed. And you want to cater to Taysom Hill every time. And I'm like, you know, like, come on, man. It's just the, the, 
it's just that the play calling is, is is really bad and I think injuries. It's been a very disappointing season and I don't want to talk about it no more. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think Dennis Allison Allen should get another year. I think you guys should probably switch out your officer coordinator though for sure. You know, like you said, the defense. Well, the thing is, is he's always enough. been behind the scenes, but I'm starting to realize that was Sean Payton all this time because it could have well, been Pete Sean Carmichael. Payton. It right, could have been. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right, and that's what I'm saying. Like I think Dennis Allen has got the defense playing well because, mistake me if I'm wrong, he's pretty much over the defense and he probably make a lot of the shots on the defense. You know, and so it's just really the offense can't compete. You have so much talent on that team, right? Obviously, Michael Thomas is getting hurt. But you should still be able to do better than what they're doing, and that start. And I think again, that starts with the car, the, the head coach's decision with um, Andy Dalton. Like <laughs> Andy Dalton is not it. Andy Dalton has lost y'all more games bro, than he has won y'all. He has lost easily. us so many games, bro. Like easily. So yeah, that decision should have been made. Now, I mean, I've seen rumors, and we can move on from here. I've seen rumors that you guys are actually considering Jameis Winston against the Rams this week. So. Um, I, I don't need him to come back and uh, play any hero ball. <laughs> I would take another week. Give me another week of Andy Dalton, then y'all can make that decision. And as bad as our conference is, we still, we still may have a shot of making the playoffs. Yeah, so, y'all got a shot in that division. Like, like y'all said, man, switch out OCs in this offseason. But the thing is, y'all got to figure it out during this season. I mean, you don't have anything promising to look for from a first round pick standpoint due to the trade that you made in the last draft. So, you know, it's not one of them situations that, hey, let's tank it and let's go ahead and get a guy in the offseason in that first round. Like, y'all got to try to go in and figure it out now and try to make a run to the playoffs. So uh, go ahead and switch out quarterbacks and, and see what that does. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we're gonna shift. We're gonna shift gears here. We will wrap up with this. Um, we do have a clear the the playoff picture is starting to clear. Uh, we witnessed the Philadelphia Eagles. When you hear this, it will be last night when we recorded. But um, of course, it'll be two nights since since Monday night when you hear this. But um, we did we did see the Philadelphia Eagles take their first loss to the Washington football team so i mean the washington commanders so it's gonna be interesting uh the playoff pitch is becoming clearer and the thing is i'm like i'm looking at the the patriots are sitting seventh to make in to get into slip into the playoff how does bill belichick keep doing this year to year it's amazing i I wish my i wish i was fan of a team that are slipping to the playoffs every year (laughs) like dudes man he's a wizard man yeah. But uh, outside of that, I mean, who who do you guys have as Super Bowl favorites right now? It might change, and that's okay. We don't we're not gonna hold your feet to the fire. Yeah. But absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Tell me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got right now. I got the Chiefs as the Super Bowl favorite. That's my team, and to that, I'm got winning it. Yeah, I, I mean, I still, you know, if I just go ahead and shoot with it, I still. I'm going my preseason with the Bills. You know, I know that they've slipped up recently, but I'm still going to stick to that. Once, you know, Josh Allen, if he can get back to 100%, I'm still going to roll with the Bills. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i still riding with the Bills, too. I, I think that they're – Josh Allen is just super talented. I thought you said the Raiders to start the year. I did not say that, did I? We can run the tapes back. But, uh, you know, I'm going to go with the Bills here. I mean, I think – I mean, they had the game of the year against the Vikings this year. Look at the Vikings, man. Who's teasing them? But here they are. They're 8-1. They're real. You know? 
I, do you think – do y'all believe? Did they make y'all believe it this past weekend against the Bills? Man, Jefferson definitely did. Oh, <laughs> right. my goodness. Oh, right. that was the they nastiest. Catch. Hey, that's up the – so that's the good conversation. Odell or, or, uh, or uh, Jefferson? Which case is better? I, I got to stick, stick the OG Odell, man. Just the few the, fingers. The, the fingers. Exactly. He had a few – Fingers. He had like three fingers on the ball, man. And he was fouled. Like people got yeah. like, he it was pass interference and and it was a touchdown. And it was a yeah. touchdown, so, but that was fourth and eighteen. That was clutch. Oh yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's one of those ones where it's like neither way you can lose with either one. Like if you pick the Jefferson catch, you right. If you pick the Odell catch, you right. Like you can't be wrong in that situation. Yeah, I agree with the Man, that, that catch was clutch. Like, man, Kirk really threw it. Like, Jefferson's somewhat down there. Like, he really threw that like that. Like, I don't know. But anyway, we're wrapping up here, man. Uh, thank you for rocking with us again Opinated Bench Warmers. Make sure you follow us on O underscore Bench Warmers. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Until the next time, we out of here.